Turn to Psalm 105. Psalm 105, and then we'll go to Numbers. I have a number of verses in Numbers, but Psalm 105, verses 1 through 3. We need to uh, learn to be thankful. An unthankful heart is a terrible thing in the sight of God. I believe it was Dr. Bob Jones Sr. who said that when gratitude dies on the heart of a man, the throne of his heart, he's nigh worthless. He's just about worthless. When we get to the place where we're unthankful, we are really in trouble with God and everybody else too. We're in trouble with ourselves. And so, as I was thinking of all the Ten Commandments, and if we were thankful to God, then we wouldn't think about wanting to break His commandments. And when we're unthankful and we're selfish, the opposite of thankfulness is unthankfulness or selfishness. And we often have that problem come up in our hearts, and it's a terrible problem terrible evil, and we need to deal with it, deal a death blow to it. All right, you found your place, Psalm 105. Stand with me as they did in the days of Ezra the priest. When they read the Word of God, gave the sense, a good part of the day. Psalm 105, 1 through 3, follow with me please. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk ye of all His wondrous works. Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. So let's just repeat the first verse again in unison, please. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Let's pray. Father, bless, we pray, Thy wonderful, glorious Word. The wonder of the Word. And the wonder of the God who gave it. And the Christ who was sent to die and give His blood and His very life at Calvary for sinners such as we are. Lord, I want to thank Thee for that good song that I was introduced to it when I was just newly saved. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Lord, I recall at that teenage years, 17, 16, 17, and 18 years old, how I just sang that with all my being. And Lord, I meant it then and I mean it now. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. May Thy grace and Thy person shine forth in and through us. Dear Lord, teach us that we'll never shine as we ought. We'll never be the blessing we ought to be if we're filled with selfishness. But we will be if we're filled with thanksgiving. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I said the other week, we were at a meeting over there and Mark Thrift was preaching. He said, I thank God for two wonderful things. He said, first of all, I thank God I was born in America. And then he said, the second thing I thank God for, thank God that I've been born again. Not only born, but born again. 
By the way, I do need to uh, make mention that any that want to be baptized, uh, Lord willing, we will have a baptism on Sunday when Brother Godfrey's here. And we hope we have some more ready for the baptismal waters uh, by the time he comes and after we go soul winning on Saturday. We need to baptize. That's what we're here. We're here to, to preach and see people saved and baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It doesn't save anybody, but it's the first act of obedience for a believer. So we'll be baptizing. And it shows to others that we've really gotten things settled and we're, we're in Christ, we're trusting Him. It's a type of His death, His burial, and His resurrection to walk in newness of life and letting everybody know about it, not hiding it. So I want you to see and think about this matter of thankfulness. So I've been reading in the book of Numbers in my devotions. I hope you get in your devotions. Be faithful in your Bible reading and prayer life. Be faithful in your family devotions. Are you having family devotions? If Daddy's gone, then Mama ought to kick in and, and have the devotions when Daddy's gone. And when he comes back, put him in charge again. Amen? He's the kingpin in the family. You say he's not doing his job. You thank God he's even in church. Hello? One thing that really concerned me about the sermon I read on thankfulness and the sword of the Lord was it said that when people get older, if they're not careful, it's, it mentioned the unthankfulness of teens and then the unthankfulness of children and then the unthankfulness of middle age. But then, of course, it got to my age, you see. And he said that that's a terrible thing. And I believe there's a danger involved, this familiarity of not being thankful for everything. May we be, in our example, not just say we're thankful, but may we mean that. May we be thankful about everything. I was thinking of that verse, in everything, give thanks. That means those two girls that were just let go over there with that mission team, there were eight of them that were uh, kept there for a long period of time. They were bringing them up for for uh, judgment there the, in Afghanistan and those two girls from Baylor, two Christian girls, and they, and then the other uh, six, I believe it was, eight total, I guess. I don't know if they were all the same group. I have no idea. But the only crime that they uh, put against them is that they uh, preached or tried to proselytize people and witness and tell people about Jesus Christ. Well, my advice to you and I is that we should be as contented as we would expect them to be in their situation. Amen? Might be a little difficult. But they're free now, and so prayer works, doesn't it? And uh, I said, as soon as I heard, I prayed that the Lord would somehow deliver them if it could be in His will. And sometimes it's His will for you to die in those situations. And so we ought to, in everything Give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Learn to give thanks. Just before the service tonight, uh, Linda called my wife and said that uh, Jonathan, I, I watched him yesterday, so I surely could be assured that I would know that he would do this because he got in the same place where he got this oil in Joe's toolbox 
and he thought the oil looked nice on the nice red carpet. I already popped him yesterday. I spanked him. I told him to get down off the swing. And so he, you know, very slowly, you know how these kids do, you know, they're very slowly, and he slithers down, and he sits on the swing. And I told him to get off the swing. So I think I'd already popped him a couple times already. You say, where did you do? I sure didn't do it back here. He's too well padded. He had a diaper on. He's pretty he's pretty rough though. He climbed that slide down the slide, boy, and he didn't want anybody helping him much either. Got a little of his grandpa in him, I guess. You say, Well, where'd you spank him? Well, the only place that was bare was his arm, so I slapped him good, you know, and he didn't like that. But I didn't like the idea that he didn't obey when I told him to. You know, just kind of testing you, you know, how these boys are. Well, I'd already spanked him for getting in that same toolbox a week or two ago. So this time he gets the oil oil all over the red carpet, you know. But uh, I and I admonitioned to my wife, I, my wife who went over there to try to help him clean it up, and then to Joe and Linda, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you that your carpet so that you'll know how to get the stain out of there so that you won't be distressed. You might help someone else when they have stained up carpet. Amen. There's always a good side to everything. It's just you've got to look for it. Mm-hmm. And if that had happened in your bedroom or those light carpet thing, you would never got that stain out of there. Anyhow, so you should buy this kind of color carpet, then you won't have it stained up. So you learn two or three things if you're really wise. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. There's a church across town, and they put this real light carpet in there. It wasn't six months. It looked like it had been in there for 10 years or 20 years. And we've never needed to even, I don't think, shampoo this at all because we tested it beforehand. I mean, we, we wanted it to take the, the tough stuff. And it's not perfect, but it sure looks pretty nice when it, when it gets all... Dressed up, we poured Coke on it, we poured coffee on it. Not the carpet, uh, you know, sample. So anyhow, you can learn a lot of things, can't you? Uh, from things. In everything, give thanks, though. You know, when your automobile is running well, why don't you thank God for it running well? Or like, uh, like we got that rain this afternoon. You know, the Bible says in everything, give thanks. Thank the Lord your washing machine's running. If you thank the Lord while it is running, you'll have less trouble not giving thanks when it quits running. But that rain came down. I I thank the Lord uh, that I don't have any leaks in my roof when I think of so many other people that have had leaks in their roof. I've never had one leak in my roof. Not one. We've been up there and patched it a couple times. We've never had one leak. That's kind of a good idea. In everything, give thanks. Thanks. And we need to be a thankful people. We won't get wrapped up in all kinds of things. You know, one thing is Korah. Korah was not thankful for the leadership of Moses and Aaron. They were not thankful for the call of God upon Moses to lead them out of Egypt, or they would have never spake against Moses. And by the way, didn't we tell you the other week, Moses said, I can't speak, Lord! God got angry with Moses because... He said, I can't do it. I can't go down and deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, what's in your hand, Moses? 
He said, a rod. He said, throw it down. I mean, God, it's pretty nice that God come talk to you that plainly. Talk to him right out of a burning bush out in the, on the backside of a desert. I mean, God spoke to him. This was a, an important mission. This was going to prepare the Passover. And we're still, so we're still uh, celebrating the Passover every time we have communion. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. And so he's going to, God spoke to him, he said, and so he throws the rod down, it becomes a snake and a serpent. God says, now take, take this, uh, uh, the snake up, take up the serpent. I'm sure he didn't grab the head, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, it's a fiery serpent, he ran from it. He grabs it by the tail and became a rod again. Then he told him another thing, didn't he? He said, put your hand in your side. Came out, it was leprous, and he said, put it back in, no leprosy. God used that rod, didn't he? But Moses didn't want to go. And God got so upset with him, he almost killed him. And God said, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth, Moses? If God calls any of you to preach, and he's not going to call you women, because a woman's not supposed to preach. She's to back up her preacher, whether it's her pastor or her husband pastor. Amen? Or her missionary husband or evangelist i mean what kind of a, a ministry would brother godfrey have if his wife didn't back him up he'd have a messed up ministry wouldn't he wouldn't have a ministry and so you men if god calls you he'll take care of your mouth you say i'm not very smart peter wasn't either thank you peter they perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, but that they'd been with Jesus. Peter and John. And what did that mean? They were nothing but a bunch of fishermen. They'd been to school a little bit, but they had not been to the real high rabbinical schools like Paul the Apostle, who went and was taught at the feet of Gamaliel. Say, well, I don't know if I'll ever make it in the ministry. I, I can't hardly talk. If God calls you, God will enable you. Behind all the calling of God is the omnipotence of God. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. Say, I'm the most backward one in my family. Well, then God will have to get all the glory, won't He? That would be a good idea. He won't let you take any glory for yourself. Well, we need to give thanks and everything. Well, what happened is Korah and then Dathan and Abiram. By the way, Dathan and Abiram, they were from the tribe of Reuben. Nothing much good came out of Reuben. Amen? Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, for thou wentest up to thy father's bed. Mm -hmm. Is it important for a man to keep his morals straight? Absolutely! It's very important. And then when he gets saved, he really better keep everything straight. Ask the Lord to help him. Keep him for his glory. So what they did is they, they spake against Moses, and God said through Moses, if God has not spoken by me, 
if God has spoken by me, he said, then the earth will open up and swallow you and down. They went right into the pit. But there's a good verse there, and it said that, that Korah, it says that his offspring did not follow him. Now, Dathan and Abiram, their families, they followed them, and they got swallowed up in the pit. But Korah was not that way. Korah was not that way. Look over there to Numbers with me. This is a, what I'm saying is that Korah and Dathan and Abiram and Dathan and Abiram's family were not thankful that God had called Moses. They were not thankful for the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And God took care of their unthankfulness. He just opened the earth and swallowed them down. And the Bible says in this verse that God made them a sign. I've never seen that before. You see, where is that? It's in 26. Numbers 26. Look with me, if you will. Verse number 7. This is in Numbers 26, verse 7. These are the families of, of the Reubenites. And they that were numbered of them were forty and three thousand and seven hundred and thirty. And the sons, it goes on. And well, I need to read it. And the sons of Pela, Pelu, Eliab, and the sons of Eliab, Nemuel, and Dathan and Abiram. This is that Dathan and Abiram which were famous in the congregation. Pretty dangerous to be too famous, isn't it? Who strove against Moses and against Aaron in the company of Korah when they strove against the Lord. They strove against Moses had strife against Moses, against Aaron, and it was against God, the Lord, Jehovah. Now look what happened. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. When that company died, what time the fire devoured 250 of them. Those were the ones that put censers and put fire in their censers. And God sent fire out like He did with uh, Nadab and Abihu when they offered strange fire and burned them up. Burned them right up. Did the same with these. And you know what? God told Moses or Aaron, one of them, I don't know who, told him to go and gather up the censers. Censers were more important to God than these rebels. Aren't we pretty important to the Lord? All through the Bible tells us God loves us. But I'll tell you what, God doesn't like it when we get rebellious. Say, well, those people were sinners and I'm saved. Well, then God will spank you real good. He won't swallow you up down in the earth, take you to the pit. But I don't know. This is really a thing. But look what it says here. And they became a sign. It says here, when that company died, what time the fire devoured 250, and they became a sign. Not, notwithstanding, now look at verse 11 though. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. Therefore, they did not follow their father Korah in his disobedience to God. And therefore they lived. In fact, they lived and they became famous in a different way. In the Psalms, you have what? The, the Psalms were written to Korah. The sons of Korah. So God used them. 
And maybe every time in the Psalms when they came up and they said the, a Psalm of Korah or whatever, or for Korah or to Korah or whatever, whenever the Psalm would have that prefix, by the way, I'm told that is Scripture just like anything else in the Bible. That's part of Scripture. But maybe when they saw the Korah, it reminded them because it was a sign to them not to rebel against God or against the leadership God had put over them. The ultimate leader was God Almighty. They were against Him. They wanted to go back to Egypt. So, you need to be thankful for your leadership in your church. You know, we have people, thank the Lord, we don't have too many come by, but once in a while we have people come by and they think they know more than Pastor Hammond, Pastor Harvey. They, they know more than every pastor. And it's a shame because if the Lord wanted them to be a pastor, He'd put them in that position, wouldn't He? To be honest with you, I, I, I always wanted to serve God. Even before I got saved, I thought it would be a good idea to be a preacher. But God called me. When I got saved, I got called. What we need to do is be thankful for the call of God, thankful that we're saved by His grace, thankful for those that God has put in our place to bless us, to encourage us, to straighten us out. I remember when I used to believe in speaking in tongues for this day. And I used to believe in healing the sick and raising the dead. I wanted to do it right, right away. And a pastor took me aside. And Pastor Eburn, I'd, oh, I'd get all, oh, all wound up about something. He said, yes, but here's what the Bible says, Brother Harvey. He was so patient with me. He said, let's read over here. he just take me to the book. And the Lord finally straightened me out. And then I've written a couple tracks maybe to straighten someone else out. Are you thankful for, what you, uh, for people in your life? And then I, was like, I read that sermon in the Sword of the Lord. By the way, you all ought to get the Sword of the Lord. It's, it's not perfect paper, but just for the sermons, you ought to get the Sword of the Lord. You all need to hear some good preaching other than Pastor Harvey and the, and the great speakers that we have here. We have Brother Godfrey and we have Doug Thompson and so forth. But it would be good if you could just get these. I sent the sword to my dad, and he, he really thought John R. Rice was wonderful. And then my dad got saved. And uh, just you ought to send it to people. You ought to get the sword of the Lord. There, a lot of you are, are getting papers that are a whole lot, uh, a whole lot more controversial and maybe less of a blessing than the sword. I mean, how many papers do you know have two or three or four sermons, full-length sermons from dead men? I mean, they have all kinds of sermons. Just for the sermons, you ought to get it. And the sword is just a blessing. And just just thank the Lord for these things. But as I read that sermon on, on thankfulness, uh, he went through and, and he told about you know, when, you, when you, were, uh, you were courting that girl, you remember when you were dating that girl and courting that girl? Come on now, that's a long time ago for some of you all. It'd be real hard. You've got to think real hard now. And uh, you remember how just, uh, she, she was just everything. I mean, you just, you, you didn't even, you were so wrapped up in her, you didn't even compare her to others or anything. There was no comparison. This was the girl that you were going to marry. You remember that? You were really thankful to God that God had sent her by you? Do, you. do you remember that? Come on. Smile. Some of you look pitiful out there tonight. 
I'm trying to tell you, if you're not thankful for your wife, you're in trouble with God. And you ought to get back to be as thankful as you were when you were courting your wife. Now she's just like another, you know, another dishwasher. You know, another one of the appliances in the house. You're glad she doesn't break down very often, too. Well, that wasn't true before you married her. You didn't care if she could cook or not. I'm telling you, I didn't care if my wife could cook or not. I was so young. I was in my early 20s, and she was real young. Amen? And I, I, I mean, I've been looking for a wife. I had a lot of girlfriends, and I was looking for a wife, you know? And I knew her mother could cook real well. She, and I just wanted to go and live at her mother's house. Why? Because I liked her mother? I no, it was her daughter I was interested in. I wanted to go there. I, I'd get off and Liberty Bell would go there at, at uh, Cherry Point, North Carolina, and I just, I was going to Mill Creek. I mean, that's where I was going. The way Jody is. You always know which direction he's going. I followed him the other day out of here. <laughs> and, and he went right, back, right past where he was staying. And he went right there. I said, oh, I know where he's going. You know, and, uh, you know, you're just all wrapped up in, in, in that, that girl, you know. Now, we're going to get to the fellow next here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and now, you know, well, she's there. And the meals are all there and the clothes are all clean. And you, if you're not careful, you're not thankful about anything. You never say you're thankful. You, you never get up from the table. But when you get up from the table, you never thank her for cooking you a nice meal. What's wrong with you? You would have done that when you were courting her. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't see all her failures back then. And now you see them all, don't you? Well, the wise man doesn't. The wise man looks behind, beyond all her failures, and she's still the same girl he married a long time ago. Really. In fact, she's put up with him all these years. He ought to appreciate her more. Some of you fellows really think you were a real diamond that she got. You weren't even a ruby. Amen. And then what about you? What about you women? He got into the women. He said, "Boy, you were just so." Thankful that someone would have you. And you were so wrapped up and thinking it'd be great to get married. He'd take care of you. You wouldn't have to work anymore. By the way, that's the way it ought to be today. Yeah, you'd work at home, but I'm talking about you wouldn't have to work out there 40 hours a week and then take care of him too. That's why half our homes are breaking up. That's why half our homes are breaking up. The women have too much on them. The men don't have too much on them. The women have too much on them. You go take care of a bunch of babies. I babysat yesterday. Don't come and tell me. Now, I've been at this a long time, so I got a snooze for about 30 minutes. I put little Liddy in that bedroom there and made sure a pillow was up against her and she wouldn't roll off the bed and fall on the floor. Then I quietly put the door shut, and I went in and checked on the rest of them and said, now you stay right there. You don't have to sleep. Just stay right there. <laughs> Esther was smiling, big Esther. 
she's she's a jewel. She'd been sick. She didn't look very sick to me. And then the other two, they were in their sleep. No, they weren't sleeping. I, I came in that door, and both of them were awake. But I waited a while, and Daniel finally conked out. So what did I do? I had the wisdom of an old father. And I got little Jonathan and got him out of the room and let Daniel sleep. Daniel's a handful. Mm-hmm. Well... You remember when you really appreciated that fellow? Remember when he was... Remember when he was important? Remember when your husband was important? A long time ago, wasn't it, ladies? Huh? Oh, getting back to the other. How in the world could Linda, with six children, go out and, and, and get a secular job? Listen, any of you women in here that and men in here that don't have a, enough sense to know that a woman who has three, four, five kids or even any children at all. You go tell my daughter Patty, who just called this afternoon. And she said, I'm, I haven't eaten a thing in two days. I had one little uh, bit of bowl of cereal. She said, I can't keep a thing down. We hope it's the flu because she was doing so well with her other, with her expecting before. We hope it's the flu bug. And so I told her, I said, go to the store and get anything and everything and try everything in the whole store. And something might agree with you. I mean, a woman needs to be at home. She doesn't need to be, she doesn't need to be heaving all day long. That's a man to do that! He's got the flu bug and he has to work. He needs to just puke all the way to work and all the way home! Because he's a man and he ought to be able to take it. If you're at war, in war, you're out there in battle, you don't care if you're sick or not. Get your gun. We're going over that hill. No time to be sick. But a woman, when she's sick, she ought to be able to go down and lay down. Amen? Put her kids down. I told Patty, I said, you, you go, go to the doctor tomorrow. You get dehydrated too much. She's had pneumonia before and had everything else. I said, you go go to the doctor. Now's the time. Don't just call Mama. It's good she wanted to call her Mama. So I gave her the advice on the other end of the line, too. I tell you, being a, a mother is a full-time job, friends. But now you, felt, you, you do need to depend on your husband again. See, some of you got out in the workforce and you got a little independent. Or you got around some of these independent girls who could do with a husband or do without a husband. You don't even need to be around that kind of people. Right. I say, you don't even need to be around that kind of women. Because right. they'll ruin you. Right. Truth of the matter is, you needed him when you got married and you need him now. And most likely, you need him more now than you needed him when you got married. Because you didn't have any kids when you got married. Hello. And you say, well, he doesn't treat me right. Well, you really pray for him a lot, don't you? To tell you the truth, if you really are thanking God for your husband and thanking God that he's a good working man and thank the Lord, and this was in that, that little paper, so don't think I'm just, pre I'm just preaching a little bit extra along with what he's preached. 
in that paper in the sword of the Lord. And he said, he said, you ought to be thankful your husband goes out and works at all. Brings that paycheck home and is a, is an industrious worker. That he's not so filled with himself that he wants to go out and pump himself full of dope and just have a good time getting drunk every day. And then he said another thing. He said, you, uh, you ladies ought to thank God for your husband. Because there's sisters and cousins and nieces and relatives and they go to bed crying every night because their husband's a drunk or he's running around with other women or he's gambling all his money up. Well, this sermon's for tonight. This is in order. Amen. Some of you ladies need to thank God for your husband. Amen. Because he has to put up with you. Oh, don't talk to the women like that. I'll talk to them any way I feel like talking to them. There's some sorry women in this world, and there's surely some sorry men in this world. The truth of the matter is, you might have one. But you thank God for them, and you're going to trouble, and you're going to stay in trouble, and you're going to be defeated, and you're going to stay defeated. You're going to be crying, and you're going to keep crying, and if you're not careful, the devil will tell you to blow your brains out before it's all over with. And then you'll really ruin your life and your whole family's life and everyone else. Truth of the matter is, ladies, you need to get more in love with your husband because your children are leaving the nest. Or they will be leaving soon. So you better get wrapped up in that fella again. And it's a sin for you to ever put your children who were born by your husband... And given to you by your husband, of course, by God, it's a shame that you have a kinder word for your children than you do for your mate. If we're not careful, we'll spend more time praying for our children than we pray for our mate. And when you're praying for your mate, you're praying for yourself. Right? They two are one flesh. Right? Don't you ever side against your husband or your wife about little... Well, I can't say junior. Uh, John... Or Bill? No, you women should say, after your, husband, your, da- your daddy's through with you, I'm going to spank you too. Because you really need it. And then they might think when they do bad, I'm going to get it from two of them. I better not do this. But no, what they do, they run to mama, don't they? Oh, they run to mama, or they run to daddy. And you give in to them, don't you? And you're spoiling your little brat. And you ought to spank the snot out of him. Spank the devil out of him! Because he'll never listen to God if he won't listen to you or your wife. Why should he obey God when you can't make him obey you? Listen, if you can't make your children obey you as big as both you are with your children, I'm telling you, you're in trouble. Wait till they get as big as you. Wait till they get taller than you. Amen? Well... He went through all that. Do you love your wife like you did a long time ago, fella? If not, you are in trouble. And you're going down the wrong road, and you aren't even going to be married within three to five years. You're not even going to be in this church. you got your eyes on some other woman. You're not going to be in this church five and ten years from now. Say, so I'm moving on with the army anyhow. Well, you, won't, you won't be with your wife. You better get your eyes on, on your wife and your eyes for, in the Bible. You say, what kind of message is this tonight? You ought to be thankful for your wife and your husband. 
Don't try to find all their failures. Try to find something good in them and try to say something good to them. And why in the world, when you wake up, you really wanted to hug and kiss before you got married? What's your problem now? Hmm? What's your problem now? Don't you think it'd be a good idea for your children to see that mom and daddy still love each other? It wouldn't hurt you to put your arm around your husband or your wife in the morning when you wake up and say, good morning, I love you. Is the coffee on? Where's my socks? Did you clean my underwear? The way some of you wake up, I'm telling you, I... I you need to get up at 4.30 in the morning and pray like I do. If nothing else, just get on your knees and do you good, a good position. Some of you are such grumpy, gripey things in the morning. I wouldn't want to live with you. Why in the world would he or she want to live with you? Huh? Miserable wretch. Dr. Bob Jones Jr. said, he said, I just, I can't stand myself until I've had my coffee in the morning. He said, if, 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 if salvation had to do with feelings, yeah, I'd never be saved till I had my coffee in the morning. But I'm saved anyhow, because it's not feelings. But I don't have that problem. I don't know. I like to get up and just get at it. I, I just, I like to pray and meditate, read my Bible. Thank God that I don't have to go to a regular job. Amen. Thank God He called me to read His Word and pray and go soul winning. I don't dread when people call me on the phone about pastoral things and all that. Missionaries call. I don't know. I just kind of enjoy life. I thank God for what He's doing in my life. I don't look at the caller ID at all. I don't have to worry about people going to uh, want to collect from my bills because I don't owe anybody. Huh? Huh? be a good idea again, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a good idea if you were free again? You didn't know anybody, anything in the whole world? That doesn't mean you don't own a house, you don't want to be making a payment. I'm talking about really owing when you don't know if you're going to have the money to pay for it. Then, by the way, when you sit down on a given afternoon and you just got your paycheck and you're able to write all those those small and large obligations whatever size they are and you write all those checks out do you ever thank god that you have the money in the bank to pay for those things you thank god that you have a a job or whatever provides for you we ought to give thanks about everything thank the lord for your children I mean, what would you do if you didn't have Jonathan around? Oh, he's into everything. That boy. He's got part of my name, too. Unbelievable. Boy, you'll find some others in those large families, and they're stubborn as the other one, though. Hmm? But God saved some pretty stubborn ones and really used them for his glory. God's able to do great things. They did not follow Korah when he stood against Moses, and so they did not get destroyed like 
Dathan and Abiram, their whole families went down in the pit with them, everything that pertained to them. You better not follow a multitude to do evil like that verse out there on a sign. That's a good verse. You better not follow. By the way, you can live. You can live down the reputation of your father or your relative if you really live a pure and godly life in the future. The Lord may allow some psalms, something like the psalms to be named, the psalms of Korah. I come from a, a bunch of uh, mafia people. I come from a bunch of union people. Or I come from a bunch of people that were in Vietnam and they killed all these people unnecessarily or so forth. They say, you weren't in Vietnam either, were you? Where they had little kids coming out there with bombs hanging all over them. I'll tell you what, these people are criticizing these people over in the war right now. I'd like to just get them all. I'd like to send all these foreigners home. I heard something today on the radio, and I'll tell you, it really, really made me. There was a lady who taught in a college in our country, and she said my own kids couldn't go to the college, but all these foreigners could go to that college, and they, they, didn't, pay, they didn't pay anywhere near and I was a professor myself, and I didn't have the money to put my own kids in that college I was teaching at, but all these foreigners were allowed to come in there like nothing. We're in a messed up country in America. We ought to be good to foreigners, but we better be especially good to our own people. Americans, citizens of this country, we better protect them too. Well... You say, well, preacher, what's that got to do with uh, what you're going to bring up now? And I'm going to try to finish this out in a few minutes, but it is important that we know what the Scripture says. I was reminded in chapter 18, look there with me, Numbers 18, and we'll try to close this out quickly. But I feel like I need to give it to you because Brother Godfrey's coming. I'm not going to get a shot at you for a few times unless I decide to teach on Sunday, preach on Sunday, whatever. Look at chapter 18. This shows the enormity of the evil of Korah and Dathan and Abiram. Verse 3 of 18. And they shall keep the charge and the charge of all the tabernacle, and they shall not come nigh the vessels of the sanctuary and the altar, that neither they nor ye also die. Now verse 4. And they shall be joined unto thee, and keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation, for all the service of the tabernacle, and a stranger shall not come nigh unto you. And ye shall keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar, that there be no wrath any more upon the children of Israel. And I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel, to you they are given as a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Therefore thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil, and ye shall serve. I have given your priest's office unto you as the service of gift. And the stranger shall that come 
cometh nigh shall be put to death. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Behold, I have given thee the charge of my heave offering of all the hallowed things of the children of Israel unto thee have I given them by reason of the anointing and to thy sons by an ordinance forever. This shall be of the most holy things. Well, I need to just go ahead and read this. Just, just follow with me, please. This shall be thine of the most holy things, reserved for the fire, every oblation of theirs, every meat offering of theirs, every sin offering of theirs, every trespass offering of theirs, which they shall render unto me, shall be most holy for thee and for thy sons. In the most holy place shalt thou eat it, every male shall eat it, it shall be holy unto thee. And this is thine, the heave offering of their gift. And goes on about the best in verse 12, all the best of the oil and all this. Let me read that verse. The best of the wine and of the wheat and the first fruits of them which they shall offer unto the Lord, them have I given thee. And then it goes on about all these, verse 14, everything devoted in Israel shall be thine. This idea that preachers and priests should have nothing is not scriptural. It may sound, I believe that ministers of the gospel, we've preached it so many times, we need to be willing to sacrifice and to have nothing and do, to give everything and not, not have anything. We need to be willing. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. But the truth of the matter is that God set up the tabernacle situation in such a way that the tithes and these things were to be given unto the priests, and these were to take care of the priests. Now look at verse 24 with me, and we'll try to wrap this up. And by the way, he told them, the Levites shall not have any inheritance in Israel. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance. And now we're all believers' priests. So the Lord God of Israel, He's ours. Christ is our inheritance. They did not get a physical inheritance. Their inheritance were the offerings and the first fruits and the offerings and the tithes of the people. Verse 24. But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as an heave offering unto the Lord, I have given the Levites to inherit. Therefore I have said unto them, Among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, When ye take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them for an inheritance, then ye shall offer up and heave offering of it for the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. And this is the heave offering. This is as your this your heave offering shall be reckoned unto you as though it were the corn of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus ye also shall offer as an heave offering unto the Lord of all your tithes, which ye receive of the children of Israel, and ye shall give therefore the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the priest. Here's the high priest. He says, Jesus, we give him a tithe. Out of all your gifts, ye shall offer every heave offering of the Lord of all the best thereof, even the hallowed parts, part thereof out of it. Therefore, I, 
let me read these last couple of verses and then we'll be through. Therefore, thou shalt say unto them, when ye have heaved the best thereof from it, then it shall be counted unto the Levites as the incense of the threshing floor, increase of the, uh, of the threshing floor, and as the increase of the wine press. And ye shall eat it in every place, ye in your household, for it is your reward for your service in the tabernacle of the congregation, and ye shall bear no sin by reason of it. When ye have heaved it from it, the best of it, neither shall ye pollute the holy things of the children of Israel, lest ye die. Now, you say, what in the world did you read all that for? Well, Brother McVaney's church over there was taught in the wrong fashion about this. So I think it's important that you're taught properly. Tell you the truth. Because the pastor has to entertain so many people, take care of so many things, and take care of all these different things, in reality, we need to follow this, this pattern here. What I'm saying is that they, they almost taught over there at uh, Freedom Baptist Church, and he's not, he's, he wasn't griping and complaining. He just said they were taught wrongly. They were taught that the, the pastor ought to work a job forever. That's wrong. The pastor ought to be working out of a job because he has enough to do with the flock of God. And just reading and what? We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And just because there's some pastors that are maybe lazy and never go soul winning and never do their job or never study or never pray like they ought to, that does not, that does, that's the exception to the rule. I would hope and pray that's not the rule. And to tell you the truth of the matter is the pastor does not need problems about, about financial things and everything because that's a real burden on everybody in your home, is it not? Right? And so they, they got seven other deacons to take care of the widows and the orphans, I'm sure, as, as well. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Prayer and the ministry of the Word. See, I, the Lord's been speaking to me, I think, the last couple of days, and He spoke to me a long time ago, years ago, about this matter of maybe we can have singles, uh, we can have a, a soldier's ministry down in Mexico. Because they have, they have a perfect place for a serviceman center. Because they still have the little old towns there. And who knows, God could allow us to do that. God could allow us to become a place here where we teach people Spanish. Get Brother Alex up here, teach him how to talk. Teach people how to talk right. Spanish. Then go down there, win those soldiers to Christ in that certain area, and then they go back to their hometowns and take the gospel. Take Christ back to their hometown with them. And do a great, a great ministry. I mean, God's able to do great, mighty things. But if we don't have enough time to meditate and find out what God wants, we're so busy doing everything that we don't have time to listen to God. You know, that little song, Take Time to Be Holy, Speak Off with Thy Lord. Abide in Him always and feed on His Word. Make friends of God's children. Help those that are weak, forgetting and nothing, His blessing to see. See, I had to have time yesterday to call Mrs. Magnuson, find out if she's going to come down after the thing. Well, I found out something. She doesn't like a lot of this, these, these rearrangements. She said, all these rearranging stuff. She said, we like the old Psalms. 
the old hymns, the old psalms, the old ones, the old ones. She acts like some of the best are getting wrapped up in this business of rearranging things. And they were rearranged best well enough at the beginning. When When God gave those songs, they were beautiful. But I found out another thing. I asked her, how are you doing financially? And the church up there is following my advice that I gave him. I said, you better take care of this widow. I said, you show your love for Pastor Magnuson by the way you take care of his widow. I said, if, even after your pastor gets here, I said, you could take an offering up for her. You know what they're doing to take an offering up? She told me they took an offering up and got $140-some dollars uh, just the other uh, couple weeks or something. On Wednesday night, taking up an offering. They don't have many people there either. But then I, was th- I thought about it. I said, we don't have any widows here in our church at all. So next men's meeting, we ought to at least consider doing something maybe for Mrs. Magnuson, either a one-time uh, thing or once-in-a-while thing or do something for her. Why? We're to take care of widows. We give $50 to these people calling, you know, who need help here in town. Well, widows are more important than that. Amen? We find that in the Bible. I'm just saying all this. I say, if I was working a, a 40 hour a week job, I wouldn't have time to go call Mrs. Magnuson and talk about her needs and find out these things and, and, and find out when she's coming and, and, uh, and deal with these things and, and even, even to present to you how to pray for her and so forth. Well, you can't go wrong following the book, can you? So maybe the way the Koreans treat their ministers, maybe it's not so bad after all. Amen? I, y'all treat me great. I thank God. I'm not griping and complaining. I'm thankful. I'm just saying that it's a sad thing when other churches are taught wrongly about these things. Amen? And I'll tell you what, we need, to, and we need to be getting missionaries as fast as we can, full-time in the Lord's work on the field, serving God. Did you know if these fellows quit their job, if they were in the will of God when they quit their job, then that's a high and a holy calling. And they are right now, even on deputation, they are full-time in the Lord's work. And I'll tell you what, a year ago they weren't full-time in the Lord's work. They weren't, they weren't depending on God for every meal. They weren't depending on God. Well, I know they were. I mean, God feeds you when you have a regular job as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, in an in a unbelievable way, He has to pay every bill. And fix every broken down vehicle. And take care of every bit of your shoes for your children. And my God is well able to do that. If you step out by faith and you don't know where anything's coming from. If God's in it, He'll provide. He'll take care of you. Amen? And you might do better in the ministry than you do work in the secular job. You might have to be at Goodwill and the thrift stores more there than you do when you're full time for God. They may bring you some new stuff. Heaven forbid. Give something new to the preacher. Huh? You have. I don't think he gave me this coat, but they've given me beautiful suits. They've given me beautiful shoes. People have been good to me. God's been good to me. Amen. I'm not great, but I'm thankful. Okay, we've got to close it out now. I have one minute. Be, I think that clock's too fast anyhow. I want to know now, you've been as thankful for your wife as you should have been lately? Have you ever gone up to your wife lately in the last three years and said, I'm so thankful God gave you to me? You may have to add a couple other words, but 
Hmm? Have you gone up to your husband and said, Boy, I told my mother off in a nice way. She thinks you're a creep. And I think she's a creep for saying you're a creep. Hello? Hello? Anybody out there? Hmm? That your, par- your, your parents don't like your husband? I don't know if I'd let those people in my house. They'll take your kids away. When your kids get old enough, they'll say, come on with Grandma. Come on to Grandma's house. We know how your daddy is. Come on to Grandma's house. God hates that kind of spirit. It's wicked as a pit. And vice versa. Some mama's boys. Well, I know how she is. You listen to her. You better cut the strings, fella, and get with your wife. Appreciate your wife. Oh, I tell you, I feel like preaching more. For you young ones that aren't married yet, just rejoice. Boy, when you get married, you're really going to know how to handle things, aren't you? When you get her, you'll know how to handle her, won't you? You better know how to handle her mom and her daddy, too. You better check them out good, because when you get her, she's going to be probably a lot like her mama. You better see something in her mama, or you're going to have to step back and wonder, is this the one for me? Amen? Some of these girls and these fellas, they get married and they haven't been taught anything. I mean, they've known just about nothing about nothing, about taking care of a wife or about taking care of a husband. They don't know one thing about taking care of a house, taking care of an automobile. They don't know anything about anything. So when you get married, you better be in love and you better, it better be of God. You say, well, I can't love her like I used to love her. I can't love him like I used to love him because he said that to me. He did that to me. Does that sound familiar to some of y'all? Oh, we get kind of plain here, aren't we? Huh? I'll never forgive him what he said to me. Well, God won't forgive you either. I've got Bible for that. Amen? You know the sad thing in the whole thing? You're going to lose your kids over the whole thing. Yep. You don't get along well. How do you think they're going to get along when they get married? They're going to get those same bad attitudes that you have toward your husband and they're going to have those same bad attitudes you have toward your wife. Now take them into their marriages right with them. You better get back to just being sweet to your mate and loving to your mate and forgiving to your mate and thankful for your mate and thankful for your parents. Honor thy father and thy mother. Amen? It doesn't say they deserve honor. You honor them anyhow. Amen? They may be not living right at all. You still honor your mother and father. It'll pay good dividends in this life and in the one to come. Amen. Well, are you thankful tonight? I was just going to give you a whole bunch of lists of things I'm thankful for. Maybe I'll just finish out with that. I thank God that I didn't marry a Catholic. Amen. I'm glad I didn't marry a Yankee. 
she'd have been as stubborn as me. She'd probably have beat me up already. <laughs> Banged me on the head or something. I thank God I married a southern girl. I married a girl so quiet I couldn't believe. I didn't know she talked or not. I knew God gave her to me, but I, she didn't talk. So I did all the talking for her. She can talk now. We taught her. When I married her, she couldn't drive an automobile, but I taught her how. Amen? She's a good driver because I taught her. That's part of it. But I thank God for my wife. I thank God for her uh, being so uh, wise and, and understanding and knowing and seeing through people. Some women, they, 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 they couldn't be a pastor's wife. I mean, they're just dumb as, just dumb as a door. They haven't got any perception. They don't see anything. All they see is the outside, don't see anything. That's the way I came into the ministry now. I, I thought everybody was wonderful. She knew they weren't. <laughs> and so she was a big help to me. Big help. Yeah. I'm thankful she waited outside all the time when I'd be in there with the preaching meetings. And, you know, I like to talk about the things of the Lord and everything all through Bible college. And we'd be talking and talking. And she's out there. She knew how to take care of those kids, boy, with them in order. Amen. She had them lined up like a bunch of little soldiers. They did right or else. Hmm? You ever thank the Lord for your wife? Thank the Lord for your kids? I thank the Lord all my kids are in church. Sure not perfect, but they're all in church. A lot of dear ministers can't say that. Amen? Can't say that. All wanting to do something for the Lord. I'll tell you, we ought to thank God. There's so much to be thankful. I thank God for our church. I was thinking, thinking about that. Thank God for our church. I'm, not, I'm going to quit in a minute here. Hang on. I gotta, is Mike still here? Well, there you are. I guess Steve had to go already, huh? Is he already on his way? He's got to go. Huh? He's got to go. So pray for Steve as he flies out for NTC. I thank God I'm not going to NTC. I thank I, I just thank God I joined the Navy instead of the Army. <laughs> uh, I thank God I had good superiors. I could have had some real rascals in the military. I had some good doctors I worked for. I thank God for his goodness. I thank God for my health. I'll tell you, I pumped out 45 push-ups and I could have put up 55 this morning. I'm telling you, I felt good. And then I drank my, what's that kind of water? That's silver water, whatever that stuff called. Got one of those things. I'm feeling better all the time. I mean, do you thank God for your health? I'm telling you, there's some fellows in here. You couldn't pump off 45 or 55 push-ups, and I'm 58. You can't do it right now. I thank God. Amen? Thank God for the health I have. I'm doing them the right way, not on my knees like these girls either. <laughs> in case you're wondering. I mean, do you thank God for your health? Amen? Even Brother Christopher, with all your aches and pains and everything, he's got real bad health problems, but 
You know, even with all that, in everything, give thanks for this will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And who knows, maybe he can help some other people that have ailments that we could never be able to help because he's going through it and has gone through it. Amen? In everything, give thanks. Just be thankful. You thank God for your friends? You thank God that... Uh, I thank God that the Metcalfs are having a, a, a baby. Amen. Amen? I thank God for uh, doing things. But we have everything. Thank God. Thank God. What if, what if, what if I'd have got a... What if I'd have I thought I was getting the right girl and I got a girl and she liked to drink alcohol and I didn't know about it? You know what I mean? But my wife, she... She, she, all she talked about is her daddy, uh, her mother, taking those bottles and busting those bottles all over the place and her, her daddy going nuts because <laughs> Miss Nettie, her mother, found those whiskey bottles and she didn't want them around. They're not going to be in my house. <coughs> Smashing them against the tree out in the backyard. I said, That's what my wife thought of alcohol. Amen? Just thank the Lord. By the way, if you're not careful... The devil say, oh, you got too many children. You go tell God that. These people, all they want, well, two or three is all you should have. Well, I had six. So I sinned, I guess. My wife was number nine. I think you ought to thank God for all the children God gives you. I think it's kind of exciting that Patty's got twins coming on the scene. Double excitement. Just thank God for everything.